Welcome to Inside the Light, where we dissect and discuss different words and their presence in our lives with the intention of gaining new perspective and relating to one another. I'm Julia. And I'm Laura. Let's turn on the light. On this episode of Inside the Light, we have Julia's mom, Sherry. And for this episode, she chose the word abandon. Cease to support or look after someone. Desert. Leave a place or vehicle empty or uninhibited without intending to return. Condemned someone or something to a specific fate by ceasing to take an interest in them. Give up completely a course of action, a practice, or a way of thinking. Discontinue a scheduled event before completion. Allow oneself to indulge in a desire or impulse. Hi, Mom. Hi. Welcome to Inside the Light. (laughs) (laughs) This is probably, I mean, I don't know if this will be the dark or the light today. We'll find out. (laughs) (laughs) It always resolves in light. Yeah. I'm ready to start crying already. <laughs> I, these definitions, honestly, like I knew like that word abandon, like carries so much. There's like so much to that. Like there's like a specific energy to that, but to read the actual literal definition of it. I mean, mm-hmm. I guess I've never done that before. So that is like, wow. Cease to support or look after someone. I mean, all of these are so like you know very powerful a very it's a very powerful definition and I think it definitely speaks to the experience that people have when they abandon you know if they have abandonment traumas or if they abandon themselves or whatever form of abandonment or just abandoning things within their life that they experience and um I think that with inside the light, you know, we've, we've really tried not to shy away from certain topics and certain things that people struggle with just to kind of normalize it in a way and to, you know, bring it to the surface so people can relate to it. Um, especially things that people don't really talk about. And so I really appreciate your, your word choice. I'm just going to refer to you as mom for the rest of the episode. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I just appreciate your word choice mom. And, um, I'm, I am curious, you know, in terms of just like how you resonate with the word and how the word abandon or abandonment you know what where that inclination came from and how you you know it really you, you resonate with it um I think it's deep deep mm-hmm. um for me I have a different experience than most people have with abandonment I think uh when I was a small child like eight nine years old I had I was given I was basically told that if I made a certain choice, that I was never gonna see my mom again. Mm. And so for me, it almost feels like I chose it Mm. to be abandoned because Mm. I knew what was best for me, which was making the choice to leave and go back to be with my dad and the rest of my family. So it's been something that I struggle with, therapy all those things and still have in some ways repeated with people in my life, including Julia. And um, 
I struggle with it in relationships because I go to the worst place. And so I felt like it was something that would be good to talk about. Julie and I have talked about it. We've, we've touched on it a few times, yeah. um, what it means for, what it's meant for me and what it means to her. And so I just thought it would be a really well, when you, powerful when you, when I asked you to be on the podcast, when I was at your house the last time and you were like, immediately, right. When I said it, you were like, I know exactly the word. I know exactly <laughs> what I'd want it to be. And I was like, okay, I didn't want to know in that moment. And then the other day when I texted you, I have to tell you, I, when you said that word, I like texted Laura. I, you guys both saw, I kept sending you guys screenshots, <laughs> but I was like, so taken, like, and what I love about it, mom, is that because obviously me and you, we've, we've worked through and we've, we've talked through our things and I'm in a very different place in my life, just as you are than I was just a few years ago. So I can openly talk about this, you know, with you and feel like it could help somebody because another thing about this podcast that I think is really important for Laura and I is like, we, we talk about, like Laura said, things that people don't really want to talk about people things that people feel uncomfortable talking about but I think in doing that it shows whoever's listening that they're not alone you know and so I when when you pick that word I thought it was so powerful because I think I know a little bit of your story but I think knowing your story because I I've you know, I totally understand you did the best you could with what you knew and you did a really good job. So like, I don't want you to think that like, I hold this resentment towards you or like, I'm angry at you because just like I've said in previous podcasts, and I'll continue, continue to say my whole life is I'm so thankful, you know, for whatever things I went through, whether it was because of you or because of other situations, all the things I've been through, I'm at a place now where I'm, I'm so thankful for them, you know, and those things, that I went through, especially with me and you, have made me the mother that I am today. So, you know, I want you to know going into this conversation that I am thankful for you and I'm thankful for every single piece of you. And I know that you're a strong person. And I think it's really cool, like for you to pick that. And, you know, I want you to share your story if you're comfortable with that. How do you feel about it? And, and now I'm, I'm totally comfortable with that. I am. Um, <clears throat> So when I, I was young, my parents got divorced. I was very young. I was, I don't know, I think seven. And my brother was three, two and a half, three years old. And they split up and my um, mom moved to a place that was super close to her parents. And so for the first little while I lived with my mom and my brother stayed with my father and he he never left. He always stayed with my father. Um, but I lived with my mother and then she decided that it was easier for her to let me stay with my grandparents who literally lived within a mile. It wasn't across town or anything, but um, I stayed with my grandparents my entire third grade year um, going to school there and then spent like every other weekend with my parents, right? One parent or the other. And then later she met somebody in Hawaii and decided to get married. And so she got married and moved to Washington state where he had eight children. And um, he was a doctor. 
who worked for uh, Washington State University as a sports medicine doctor. So he took care of all the athletes. Sorry. <laughs> and um, <clears throat> we stayed, I stayed in Sacramento with my dad and my grandparents lived, still lived in Sacramento. And so I had lots of family around, lots of friends. It's where I grew up. I basically, you know, lived in the same neighborhood from four years old. So I stayed and then one Easter, uh, my brother and I went up with my grandparents, my mom's parents to visit. And my mother ended up talking me into staying to live with her. Now, mind you, I'm in, at this point, I'm in fourth grade. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, well, you know, it's my mom, right? I, I want to stay with her. Sure, I want to stay with her. So I did. And then during the summer, I came down because my dad was getting remarried. And so I came to Sacramento. <laughs> I didn't want to go back. And, you know, I kept extending the stay. I'm like, I'm not ready to go back yet. I finally went back when I was forced to go back um, because school was starting. And so I went back and now I had um, eight stepbrothers and sisters, all of which were older, um, some of them significantly older. And I think there were six of them still in the house, maybe five still in the house. The rest were gone. They tortured me. They hated me because I had my own bedroom and the rest of them did not. Well, most of them did not. And um, they just, I had, I had a stepbrother that sat down next to me one day and told me he was gonna kill me, oh, wow. literally. And um, my mom, they hated her, they hated her. Their mom died and they just didn't, they just never, I don't think they ever got over that. Mm -hmm. And so my mom stayed in a room. So here I am in this house with these people who don't like me. My mom stayed in her bedroom the entire time. She wasn't working. She was always in her room. She, she didn't cook meals. She didn't do anything. She just hid in her room because these children were uh, like older teenagers torturing her. So she stayed there. My stepdad, who tried to do the best at that moment, um, would yell at them all the time. They were always, he was constantly yelling. And I'll never forget, I called, I, I was there and I don't know, about three or four months had passed by and I was miserable. I was miserable. I was afraid. I thought I was going to literally be killed. And I, I called my dad and my stepmom answered the phone. And um, I told her, I said, you know, I hate it here. Um, Joe yells at the kids all the time. The kids are always mean to me. I don't really know anybody. I lived in the country. I was used to living in the city. I, um, I want to come back. I can't, you know. I want to come back. So my, that message was, you know, told to my father in a different way. The way it was told to my father was that my stepdad was mean to me and I wanted to come home. And there was whatever was said in between that, I don't know. But the way it came back to me was that I said that he was always mean to me. I, and I'll, um, my mom, I was sitting in my bedroom, doing what you know at that point I was in fifth grade you know nine probably at the time um sitting on the floor doing something silly you know minding my own business 
hanging out, enjoying my space. And my mom barreled into the bedroom and just started screaming at me at the top of her lungs. I don't even, I can't even say what she was saying other than she was just screaming at me. And then my dad came in and continued, stepdad came in and continued with the screaming. And he said, if you, he literally said, if you leave, if you choose right now to go back to live with your dad and your brother, you will never see your mom again. Mm. And that's your choice. You have to make that choice. And I looked at him, I said, there's, I want to go back. Mm-hmm. I need to go back. And um, in the meantime, they're both screaming at me. And one of my stepbrothers came and yelled at them and said, stop screaming at her. She's just a little kid. Leave her alone. She's a little kid, right? Um, so they basically put me on an airplane with nothing. They sent, dropped me off at the airport. And I lived in Pullman, Washington, which you had to take a puddle jumper to get to Seattle. So I had to take a small airplane mm. to get to Seattle. And they, um, yeah, they just dropped me off at the airport. I'll never forget the flight attendant. I had like a five hour layover in Seattle airport before the flight to Sacramento. And she, you know, they took care of me. She took me around and she said, well, are you hungry? Do you, have, do you want something to eat? And I said, well, I don't have any money. Right, so she, she said, oh, you don't have to pay for it. You don't have to pay for it. So she took me and got me lunch. And then um, I came home and my mom literally had movers come in and pack every single piece of trash, everything into boxes and ship them to my dad's house. I mean, nothing, everything, anything that was in there. Wow. I didn't, I didn't hear from her again until I was in high school. And what did, what, what did she say to you when you heard from her? Like, what was, why did she reach out to you? I I think she felt guilt. They had um, given up um, the youngest. There was still one underage daughter and they put her in foster care. Oh, wow. Because they didn't want to take care of her. She was too much trouble. Wow. And um, then they took off and moved to Hawaii where he was a doctor there. And then he, it was long, a lot of things happened in Hawaii. He um, wrote prescriptions for my mom for um, medication that she got hooked on. And he got his license taken away in Hawaii. How he ended up being able to practice in California after that, I don't know, but he ended up having to leave Hawaii. They came to California in Oakland and um, they were staying in a hotel until they found a home to live in. And he was working for, a, you know, like a worker's comp type clinic in Oakland. And um, she wrote me a letter. She wrote me a long letter. And of course, you know, I'm a teenager. I'm in high school. I'm going through like my formative, like more formative years where I'm just feeling like, well, I haven't had a mom. I had a stepmom who only lasted a couple of years and then they got divorced and you know, I'm like, that's my mom. Oh, yeah, my mom, my mom, my mom, right? Right. And um, gosh, you know, I <laughs> I spent my entire teenage to adult years um, up until I finally said, I can't do this anymore. And I had to break off the relationship with her. I mean, they're, they're, 
there were so many things that she did that I tolerated even as an adult I tried to make it work so much and Mm -hmm. at one point when I went through my divorce with um my husband um Julia and I lived there and then I ended up not being there so Julia was there almost all of the time with her and her husband, which was just this completely toxic relationship. And um, that's where Julia's feeling of being abandoned comes from is that she was left in that toxic environment with them. But I mean, I I don't know, that's that's the very Reader's Digest version of that. (laughs) (laughs) Cliff notes. (laughs) How do you feel that, you know, with what you've experienced, obviously, as a child, and I love that you, you know, you've expressed that you, you know, you have this awareness around it, and you see how it's had this impact on your life. And, you know, and hearing the word abandon, and that definition, how do you feel, you know, obviously, we have the the foundation, you know, of, you know, a lot of the things that you've experienced, how do you feel like that with your awareness, with your kind of learning about it has evolved through your life or like shown up in your life? It shows up a lot. It shows up a lot in relationships. Yeah. I um, have, I'm sorry. I'm trying, to, figure, I'm trying to think of the right words to use. I, have, um, I feel like I did this in my marriage. I did this with Julia's dad. I did this with Mm -hmm. um, Norm. I did, you know, I do it with Roger. I still do. It still comes up in there. I, I go to this worst dark place where I feel like, oh, I can't, I can't say how I feel because if Mm -hmm. I do say how I feel, um, they're going to take off. They're going to leave. Right. And, um, or, you know, hit me or whatever that I went through with Julia's dad. And um, yeah, so it it made it really hard for me to be open right. and talk about- Communicate. Yeah, to communicate how I feel and what I need. And um, I still struggle with that, I do. Mm-hmm. I think we all do to a certain level. You know, I think anybody who knows me <laughs> knows that communication is my biggest weakness, but- I think mine, I think it does actually stem from, from you, mom. I think, I think that, but mine is different than yours because yours is like, I'm afraid to express my feelings because of, I might get abandoned. Well, that's literally what she just said. Yeah. That's what hers is. Yeah. So so Uh, mine, mine, I don't really think. I think yours is <laughs> because you yeah, you're, you've, liter- you've literally said, and we it's recorded. <laughs> There's this podcast that's out there and like, <laughs> it's called inside the line. <laughs> no, when she said that I was like, Whoa, I, it was like, I was hearing you talk because you've literally said, and it just, it's such a, in a way, it's such a beautiful, it's, it's, it's weird that I would find this to be beautiful, but it, to me, it is such a beautiful thing that 
because you, you've literally said that you you have a difficult time and maybe I, it's more fresh in my brain because I was I um, edited the the respect episode a few weeks ago <laughs> and but you talk in that episode you you mention how you and using your voice we talk about suppressing and you mention that you suppress because you're scared of hurting the other person's feelings yes. which is to say that in hurting their feelings what's their going to be their response going to be from that they might leave but this you is know, the thing, might... though, is the people whose feelings that I'm scared to hurt, I want them to leave. Usually, typically, mm. not all the time, but like but you I... refrain from saying it, you refrain yeah. from saying it, which is to say that you don't actually want them to leave. I think it's part of your I mean, now this is turning into a therapy session, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, I, but because it's like this is the, obviously this is her mother and this is like my who I would consider my best friend and just hearing it just like this voice speak the exact you know just material that has come from from your mouth you know in this way of like how you resonate and it just to me you know I have very similarly to you guys I've you know I've had a relationship with my mother where it has evolved into the space where I'm at with her now where I can say you know mom this is what I'm struggling with and she can say I, this is, this is how it's shown up in my life. And this is how I've struggled with it. And to me, it's such, um, when you think about abandon, the, the coming into this world, the, the, it's unfortunate, but it's, it is, it is just the way in life that the first relationship that it's not unfortunate and it's going to sound really terrible, but (laughs) our first, our first example of a relationship is with our parents. And so in the, in the way that it can be perceived as unfortunate is that, you know, we are all human beings and we are all going to make mistakes and we're not all perfect. And, and we can perceive our parents going through their lives and, you know, now having this whole other life to take care of as, you know, abandoning our needs because, but like, and being kind of dismissive of the fact that they are also moving through life. And I, I carried a lot of um, resentment towards my mom for many years that I wouldn't, I couldn't even vocalize because I also could not, I couldn't say that to her. I loved her. And what would she do if I told her that she was like, and she, I know she wouldn't leave me, but what would be the product of that? And so I resonate with both of you in those ways, but I I carried a lot of resentment towards her. And in the times that I did, I did actually communicate to her. I was not received well and <laughs> in many different, you know, scales of it, it not being received well. Um, but it, um, it, that has since evolved to where I've now can step back and be like, wow, I, I understand you more. You know, I, I understand because I am also not perfect and we all make mistakes, but the, the abandonment wound or how people experience it, it, it's really, um, I find it to be really interesting how it essentially it places this fear that, you know, this potential that anyone can leave us at any point, you know, anyone can abandon us at any point. And so in turn, what we end up doing is we either end up abandoning them first or abandoning ourselves by not abandoning them. <laughs> and I've oh, done yeah. both. <laughs> I've done both. And I know Julia can definitely speak to that. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because when I think of how, what, what we went through mom and like in our situation, I think, cause yours is very specific. 
like yours is very specific and it started really young for you as where mine it affected me a little bit different but kind of the same where like for me I remember growing up in this beautiful like you know you people could picture it as like a white picket fence family right that's how I saw it and it's it's ironic when we discussed it later in life the way you saw it and how how it was to you but as a little child my parents met when I was like two you met Richard one and a half yeah yeah and then they got married and you know I don't know my real father and so I had this beautiful white picket fence family I had a brother a little brother and a little sister and everything was just to me in my eyes perfect and beautiful and I had a mom who you know made dinner every night and we like just had this perfect life and then I went from that to like you know what what year was it? I think I was in middle school when you guys divorced from mm-hmm. this perfect idyllic life for a child to vastly different and so I think for me what the way it's shown up in my life as far as like um, unhealthy patterns that I I think I wasn't conscious of until recently is the kind of love that I fall for so like kind of like what you were saying Laura is like scared to express my feelings in the fear that I might lose them that is true in the people that I actually really love so like I've always been attracted to like because me, me and my mom, we had this beautiful relationship. We had this like perfect, there was no trauma in my childhood. Absolutely none. I felt fully loved by her and my dad. I felt fully supported, fully cared for. And then it was just wiped away one day, you know? And so what I've noticed the way it's shown up in my life is I've always been attracted to it's like almost a toxic kind of love, I guess. So like, I feel like the person who's, cause that's what mom, when you left and I I don't know if you remember this, I would write you these like four page letters, like hysterically crying. And I would leave them on your bed, like in hopes that you would come home and read them. And you would, and you would come and you would come and take me to Dairy Queen and you would be like, we're going to like, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And I love you. And I miss you. And I'd be so excited. Like, just like you said, when your mom like came back and you're like, yes, this is my mom, because I had such a deep love and like so many great memories with you. And so it was like exciting and like, oh, she's back. And so I've, what I've noticed as far as relationship go, relationships, romantic ones go is I've tend to like it's like the person who gives me just enough, but not quite everything. Mm-hmm. It's like the person that makes me reach, which is super unhealthy a lot of the times. And I don't, and sometimes I, I question myself. I'm like, why is it that this kind of person who says everything I want to hear right in front of my face, but then, but then I, I think about what happened to me and it makes so much sense. It's like what I saw as my normal when I was, a teenager you know it, that's that that's how I saw a loving relationship when I was a teenager and but now I have the awareness around it and so now I can kind of you know try to tweak it but sometimes it still happens anyways I mean it's going and that's one thing that when you were talking um, mom <laughs> when you were talking and you were saying like it's something that you still struggle with and, you know, I, I 100% resonate with that. Like, and it's, you know, I'm, 
I've been very intentional with the, you know, my abandonment traumas and I've been very intentional with like healing and like, you know, I've done therapy. I've gone to meetings, you know, Al-Anon meetings for codependency. You know, I've tried different forms of hallucinogenics to work through these, like, you know, to reach new levels of consciousness (laughs) become more one with the world. And And through all of that, it's like, I have, so much awareness and I get so irritated with myself I get so irritated because I'm like you know know better I I know what I'm doing and I know better and I still and and that's just to say and and Julia says this all the time and even and and because of how I am and the perfectionist that I am I have points where she says it and I just get so irritated and she's like it's because we're human. And I'm just like, shut up. (laughs) We all know this. We all know that we're human beings. We're this species and we're not perfect. But like, I am like, I'm, I'm sick of this part of myself. You know, I'm sick of, you know, like being in a state of fear that if I develop a level of intimacy with someone that at any point they're going to up and leave. And I'm sick, not of the other person, not of them, but of like that trait within myself. And it's such an irritating thing. And I have to sit back and be really like gentle with myself. (laughs) I was just like, it's okay. You know, it it happens and and I'm not perfect. And and to have the awareness and to, and to just give myself more grace. And it's, and we, and then that's the thing is we all have, we, to some degree, we all have some form. I think of it because ultimately when you think of um, abandonment, it's like how we were, are perceiving our kind of attachment in a relationship you know it's like well were like was the attachment like this or was it like this you know was it like did it leave you or did it stay with you did it I don't know what the opposite of abandon is but like did it stay or did it go I mean I hope I oh I yeah I guess on the opposite end of the extreme see for me the the opposite would just be like love (laughs) receiving (laughs) of love but no, I guess that is that is on the yeah. opposite end, which would be like smother enmeshment. Enmeshment. Uh, enmeshment that's that's what it word. is. Yeah, that like clinging on. And um I think that it's, you know, it is so important to to honor the awareness of it. Cause I don't think it's something that'll entirely go away. Okay, so how do you feel um with experiencing what you did with your childhood? Like what and kind of moving through life with it, what do you feel like your greatest lessons have been or your aha moments, your revelations? So for me, I have to remind myself um that I am lovable. Mm. And I think I've had people in my life who've shown me that. Mm-hmm. But I still get into dark places where I go, you know, nobody loves me, nobody, you know, all those things. And then I, I stop myself and I, I, you know, you are good enough. You are enough. I think the, the part that's been the most difficult is like when you, when you know that your mom, like the one person who's always supposed to love you and take care of you when you experience not having that from your mother which I didn't even though we tried to go you know reconcile I tried really hard to reconcile that 
she never showed that, mm-hmm. not in any way. Um, she didn't know how to show it. I think she was just a person that was born not to be a mom and didn't know how to do it. And so I have to remind myself, and I do remind myself that I am, you know, worthy of love, great love. And that's my aha moment, but it's also a struggle because Mm -hmm. I don't always feel that way. Yeah. I don't always feel that way. I, I go through, you know, dark periods where I just, yeah. Yeah, that's, it's funny because when I think of like abandonment trauma or like being abandoned as a child and what that's done for me, um, I kind of, I imagine this, like you think of like in movies, there's like that, those like famous narrators and like the Morgan Freeman in my brain. <laughs> it's like, I think for Julia, it's Oprah, <laughs> like, like narrating our lives, the voice, you know, it's like, you know, I exactly what you said resonates with me of terms of like, you're not enough. You know, if you were enough, your father, you know, you would have had a, a present father. If you were enough, you know, this person would have never left you. If you were and and to and to and 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 even beyond that, of like you're not enough. Um, and so, you know, you need to prove yourself or you need to give more love or you need to, um, you know, hold on tighter because they might leave. And if they leave, then what are you going to be left with? Then you're going to be all alone. And it's this like deep downward spiral, you know, that just can take us places that are like you said, they're really dark. And, um, I, I know I've mentioned that I, I know I've talked to Julie about it. I don't know if I actually mentioned it in the episode, but um, one thing, because in the way that my abandonment when tr- showed up for me in my life um, is I lived a good portion of my life thinking I was, and I would actually say this, that I was missing a part of myself because I didn't know who my father was. I So with me and my experience, um, and I try, I you know, and I say this and I'm actively trying to like not attach myself to that you know you think of like abandonment and I'm I'm really moving into a phase in my life where I'm like I want a release of this mm-hmm. you know I don't want to carry it like another sack on my back with all the other things that I have to take on in the world but um just like interest so you understand in terms of the background and kind of simplifying it but when I came into the world um my mom was in a relationship with my brother's father who was in and out of jail. We lived across the street from the jail that he was in. Um, And he was physically abusive. He was obviously a terrible model of what a father should be. And Mm -hmm. she raised me during that time and told me that he was my biological father. I even carry his last name. And so, um, and so from the age of, you know, coming into the world until 10, that's who I thought my father was. So with that, I was constantly abandoned because he was in and out of jail. Um, and it was like, why can't you, you know, as a little girl, like, just be good, <laughs> like, <laughs> stop doing bad things and just stay home with us, you know? Um, and then when you're home, be a better father, you know, like, don't do these terrible things that you're doing. And, and then at the age of 10, um, because domestic violence was a part of my upbringing. Um, I had a dream that was at that time, you know, it was a very real dream for me that he actually tried to, um, 
I feel like we need to put like a little mini trigger warning, but he, he did in the dream. I had a dream that he tried to kill my mom. Um, and in the dream he succeeded and I woke up at 10 years, nine, 10 years old, screaming and crying because this was like, like a terrifying, the worst thing you could ever possibly think. And at that point, um, my mom told me he was not my biological father. And so then it became, well, who is? So then I felt like in a way I was kind of abandoned again because I was like, well, this person wasn't. And now you're telling me that this, you know, this person is, but I have no idea, no name, no nothing. I had no knowledge of who this was. Um, And, and then later in life to be told a whole, I was told four different stories over the course of my life of who my biological father was. And so the way that I took that on was like, because I don't know who I literally cannot attach myself to the love from this person. I don't know who a part of me, I, you know, I was identifying so much of myself to the, the role that this person was supposed to play in my life. And and to the point where I would say, like, I'm missing a part of myself because I don't know who my father is. And, and because this person isn't in my life, I am not enough, you know, for love. I'm not enough for, and I don't know what love is. And um, I actually, I had a, I, I did ayahuasca, which is this, this drink, this tea that you drink. And, it, you know, it's this huge awakening experience that you have. But in this, in this experience, we're sitting in this huge dome in the middle of the desert. And, um, we're, you know, chanting and there's music. And I, you know, I drank the tea and I'm sitting there and I'm kind of waiting for the experience to come. And um, I'll never forget, I saw my body as like this glowing vessel, like just this glowing light of like my body. And it was hollow inside. And, and I even felt it like this hollowness inside and it felt so abnormal. And I, I heard that kind of voice, you know, that narrative voice that was like, how funny is it that you think that you're not enough? Like, how funny is it that you think that you're missing a part of you? And in that moment, I felt the emptiness that I had described that I had had it my whole life of just like this emptiness because I didn't experience this with a you know, parent. And um, it was, I, I just bawling, crying from that. And also like laughing at the same time because I was like, wow, that is really funny to think that like who, what defines me is actually outside of myself. And, and what defines the love that I deserve to receive or the, the life that I, you know, I want to live in terms of relationships. And, and it, even in having that, that moment and that awareness, it's really hard to integrate that, you know, that, that lesson in that, in that, like, I'm enough, I'm lovable, <laughs> I'm perfect as I am, even in my imperfections. Um, and I don't have to, I don't have to prove my worth to people, you know, um, and that I'm deserving as I am. And, and I get to define all those parts of me, you know, and um, the really fascinating kind of crazy turn that that took in my life um, was actually this year, um, finding through 23andMe, who my actual biological father was, and coming to find out that he actually, it's actually kind of, I I can come from a space now in my life where I can laugh about it, that it's funny in a way because he had no idea I existed. So I wasn't actually abandoned, (laughs) but that is how I chose to perceive it my whole life. And what that tells me is that I actually have, you know, I always have that choice in how I perceive the things that happen in my life. 
And that for me was because that was like my life struggle. Like if, if my life was written in a book up until this year, you know, it would have been the whole thing would have been surrounding that of like what I allowed to define me and my struggle through life and relationships and the big questions that I asked myself. And so then for it to sum down to this one moment where I'm like, wait, you didn't even know I existed. So I technically wasn't even abandoned and, and, and it was just how I viewed it, which wasn't wrong, which wasn't wrong, but I can choose now to see it differently Mm -hmm. and to see how, um, and Julia has said this in previous episodes and I, and I, and just as it applies to me and just as it applies to Julia and everyone here, including you, you know, sometimes it is those flaws that we see within ourselves that are actually the most beautiful things. And, um, I think with feeling like we're not enough, there's that level of humbleness that is like so important and I think that in terms of like desiring of love and affection that it speaks to the the amount of love that we can give to someone else and how generous we are with our hearts and it is it's like I said I get so irritated with myself sometimes but I have to like tap into that Morgan Freeman and be like hey you're okay like you're not a terrible human being and you're lovable and it's and yeah abandonment can definitely like everyone has their story and it's it's really just interesting to kind of learn from all the different perspectives and as a parent and that's something that I don't the most the most um like the highest level of abandonment that I can offer anyone in this life is to my dog Gus Gus (laughs) and he has he does have separation anxiety (laughs) so (laughs) and with that I do struggle because I feel his pain and I I I do question that for myself sometimes like I'm leaving him outside as we're doing this recording how is he doing (laughs) but um I I mean as mothers I the undertaking of that, I think, is such a huge responsibility. And I don't think there's any way to go about it perfectly. And um, I I had to, because the resentment I carried for my mom was, why couldn't you just tell me the truth? Why couldn't you just tell me? Mm-hmm. And coming down to this year and to have had the insight and the awareness now and the knowledge and learning about where I came from, how I came into the world, I could say I understood. And I did come to her and I, and I, with all of my heart, you know, thank you, you know, for, for, to her, for showing up in the way that she did. And because it's, we never know, you know, I think giving parents more grace, you know, there's going to come a day where Kai and Kane are going to be like, mom, (laughs) you did this, you did this, you did this, you know, and then there'll be another day where they're like, I understand now. (laughs) I get it. Well, and that's, that's the funny part with me and my mom, just yeah. like you, Laura said, you held resentment. I, and I'm my mom, I'm sure I've never really like said this to her before, but I'm sure she felt it and knew it. I resented her ext- like the most extreme amounts and moments. Like I really, really held so much resentment towards her. Sometimes I didn't. And, and a lot of times I did. And it wasn't until a few years ago when I had seen a psychic, <laughs> And she told me that my mom was going to die of cancer um, in seven years that I was like, I st- and then I started reading and doing all my like spiritual stuff and, um, or like self-help stuff, whatever you want to mm-hmm. call it, that I 
had a talk with my mom and it wasn't until mom, I'm sure there's no way you could forget that talk. We talked on the phone for hours Mm -hmm. and a lot of it was just crying, but just like Laura, what you're saying, because I know your story about, Mm -hmm. about your mom and that conversation. And, and it wasn't until me and my mom had that conversation where now I can look at her and be like, wow, like she had it thousands of times worse than I had it like the if I couldn't imagine have gone through what she went through you know so like now I can be thankful that she showed up in the way especially after hearing your story mom and just looking at like how because of my childhood I really cherish it I mean there's so many beautiful times like I mean I could go on a list for hours of all the beautiful memories I have in my childhood it wasn't until my family was broken up but then on the opposite end we also talked about how she viewed that time and what my mom was going through not just in the time where she abandoned me which was after the divorce but what she was going through all the pain and suffering she was going through throughout that marriage that she completely hid from me and I was able to have a beautiful magical childhood not knowing that my mom was in a horrific toxic abusive relationship and so you know now and I think that's that's a big takeaway for anybody who's listening that might hold on to resentment and be angry at somebody is maybe just talk to them about it because you never know why they're being the way or or whether if it applies to you or not what they went through that made them that way you know I think that's really if you just have conversations with people it might alleviate some of that anger because I'll tell you mom I have no not even a tiny bit of resentment towards you now I mean the opposite of resentment towards you I think you're so strong and so powerful to have gone through what you went through and to see where you are today I mean you should be so proud of that you know so and I wouldn't have known that I would have just held on to that resentment I would have just I would have always kind of secretly been annoyed every time I saw you or like you know like had little moments because it wasn't all the time but there'd be moments where I would be like I remember a big thing with you, mom, that I remember we talked about is when you would be on Facebook. And I remember that was a triggering thing for me because I'm like, I'm here right in front of you. Like, enjoy me. Like, you didn't enjoy me. Like, come, like, enjoy me. Like, talk to me. Like, you know, and you changed it immediately after I told you that that annoyed me. But um, just those kind of things that I would have always hung on to until we had that talk <laughs> and now we talk we stay up until four in the morning and talk every, every time, time. <laughs> one time it was 4 30 i think yeah. i love that situation in a row i don't know how we survive <laughs> yeah no it just bottles the wine <laughs> <laughs> yeah it speaks to the level of like well like relationships and because ultimately that's what when you think of like abandonment, like it it takes place within relationships. And so to, to have, I was listening to Brene Brown the other day and um, she was talking about, I love her. Um, She was talking about empathy, but like empathy, empathy makes no difference without compassion. Mm -hmm. I can be a really empathetic person and I can be an empath. I could be an empathetic person and understand you, but to not, or try to figure you out or whatever it is to anyone, but to not have a level of compassion without the compassion, empathy means nothing. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, 
I understand you. And so many people try to do that to try to figure out like you're impacting me. This is the impact you've had on me. This is how you're affecting me. And I know you're doing this because of this. And I know you're doing this and you're doing this and you're doing this and you're doing this. Okay. Where's the compassion, you know, where's the, and exactly what you just summed up, Julie, in terms of just recognizing the strength and the, you know, and the level of independence and, you know, and the pride that she should also have for herself or she does have for herself. <laughs> it's so, yeah, it's so important that when we look as human beings, when we look at each other and that's where, you know, in choosing the word, it was so funny because I was like, whoa, that's a good word. <laughs> Oh, that's deep. Right. But at the same time, as much as I connect with the word, um, I'm currently in this space and I don't know if this is something that might may or may not resonate with you guys, but I kind of, in me, in me shifting in the space that I'm in, I I'm ready to kind of release of that, you know, release of it, not meaning, uh, obviously I can't get rid of it. This is an aspect of me. This is there, but in terms of like the not giving it the weight that I've given it my whole life mm -hmm. in terms of like letting it define me and, and just kind of um, placing it as just like another, it's just an, it's another thing that I've experienced instead of categorizing it. I've definitely in my life categorized abandonment, like on the, on the, top, you know, nearing the top of my list of things that I've experienced that I've allowed to affect me on such a large scale. And I kind of, I'm trying to like maneuver in this space of trying to bring it down more to the scale of like a paper cut, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, of like, I experienced this. I recognize it caused me pain at a time. I've learned from it, um, but I'm not going to attach. I don't, I don't want to continue to attach to it as I have in the past. And I don't know if this is actually going to work and it's something I'm just kind of toying <laughs> with, with just like trying to show up obviously with a level of awareness in my relationships, but just trying to show up better for myself. I think, you know, not letting fear get in the way as much because that's definitely a, a very big, it's, that's how it very strongly shows up for me in terms of fear in my relationships. And so I think, you know, evolving from abandonment is, is moving into, it's, trying and attempting <laughs> to move into more of this hope and faith filled space when it comes to building relationships with others and not reverting to that fear. Um, yeah, but it's an, it's an ongoing thing. Yeah. I've been so fortunate that I've had, so in my marriage to um, Julia's dad, the kid's dad, um, I, that's where I abandoned myself. Yes, you did. Completely abandoned myself and tried to fit into this role of this person that he wanted, mm -hmm. not who I wanted to be or needed to be for me, but who he wanted. And that was so painful to leave because I became so dependent financially, emotionally everything on this relationship and when I was done when I finally made the choice to do something that would end it I was terrified but I was also empowered to be who I am which mm -hmm. is who I was before I got married and um there was a lot of struggle and the divorce was ugly and there was a lot of trauma that went along with the divorce but 
And I swore I was never going to do that to my kids. I swore I would never do what my parents did to me. So emotionally, I struggled with that because mm-hmm. I was doing exactly what my parents did. And he was trying to make it difficult for my kids. Um, feeling, you know, he was trying to keep the kids and all this stuff. I mean, it's a whole bunch of stuff I don't need to go into, but he did. We went through basically the same thing I went through with my parents, although I never said, my mom said, you keep, you keep Chris, my younger brother. Mm-hmm. She just basically said, I can't handle him. You keep him. I never did that with any of my kids. I was right. never going to leave my kids and not be there for them. That was right. never going to happen. And um, so that part of it, I knew that I was not repeating what my mom did, but, you know, I was lucky. I met somebody who has been such a great part of my life and their lives and my family's life. I, I'm so fortunate that I met somebody who I Happy needed. Happy birthday. Shout out to him. It's his birthday today. He, yeah, he, he showed me um, what being loved really looked like. Mm. And I never, ever knew that before, before him. I love that. And I will never know it again in the same way. Well, I mean, you, you still have him there. I it's do. funny. It's funny because me and my mom recently, I was talking to her that I think it was when I was there last time. We were up till four in the morning, but that's every time. But, um, <laughs> and I was talking about how one of my biggest things that I look for in a man like if I'm like going on a first date or if I'm dating a man is I'm really attracted to chivalry so like Mm. a man if he doesn't open the door for me every time I'm talking every date even if we're together for six years I don't care how long we were together if he doesn't open the door for me or like do just like chivalry things I I judge it and that's also not good but I really care about chivalry. And I was saying this to my mom because I, we were talking about whatever we were talking about. And my, my dad who raised me, her ex-husband, my mom's ex-husband, he was the opposite of a chivalrous man. He didn't care about, no offense, sorry if he's listening, but uh, <laughs> he didn't care about anything but himself. As far, he did care about his kids, but as far as like in a romantic relationships, any romantic relationship he's been in, he's never cared about any person but himself in that partnership and so I was talking to my mom about it I'm like I wonder where I got this like obsession with chivalry and like helping like helping your partner and being this good loving person and she was like obviously Norm and I was like oh because he's been in my life since I was what in 20 20 years yeah he's been in my life for 20 years Mm -hmm. so so he was that strong example but going back to what you were saying about um abandoning yourself so there's this author glennon doyle and she has a book called untamed i always tell everybody to read it's the best book ever but um she talks about how she goes through her divorce in there and what that was like and one thing that i resonate so deeply with because of you mom and because of what you went through and knowing what you went through i have decided as a woman and a mother to literally do the exact opposite because i've listened i've i lived through what you went through right and so she talks about in the book how it's so much easier to abandon yourself 
It's so much easier to disappoint yourself. It's so easy to let yourself down. Nobody has to know that. You can, you can just keep it to yourself. It's so much harder to disappoint your children, to disappoint your parents, your, your grandparents, your, mm-hmm. your partner, your partner's family, everybody that's placed all this expectation around the relationship. It's so much harder to disappoint everyone else. And so she stayed in this marriage for so long because she, it was easier to hurt herself. And so, uh, you know, I remember what Watch you, me too. <laughs> exactly. And you've told me some really like some, some really deep things that, I mean, that are powerful to me about, I mean, even just like your physical appearance when you were in that relationship, the things you did to try to, you know, protect yourself. And cause you weren't, you didn't feel, you didn't feel it. You didn't feel loved. And so when in my, when I had children and right away, when I started noticing, now I was with my children, my kid's dad, it was not an abusive relationship. It was, he's a really great guy. So it is different than, than my mom and my, the, my dad that adopted me, but adopted me, but, um, but going through what I went through and feeling like, I didn't have that passionate love towards somebody. I wanted to do the opposite of what you did, mom. And so immediately, you know, Kane was only one years old when mm-hmm. I left. And because I want my kids to know that I'll always like, I want them to see what a good example of love is not. And I don't mean that romantically. Like, I don't want to feel like what you did. I don't want to like create an illusion around it. <laughs> Like this is happy and this is love and this is what life is supposed to be like. And we don't ever, you never fought in front of us. Never once did I see you guys fight. I mean, it was this all. And then when it was, the illusion was wiped away, I was like, wait, what? It was like, I literally was dropped into a completely different world. And so I want my kids to know that I love myself and I like respect my needs Mm -hmm. over anything else. And that's, what's going to make you the best person is when you when you care, put your needs first, it's going to make you a better mom. It's going to make you a better friend. It's going to make you a better daughter. It's going to make you all the things, you know? You know, it's funny as we never fought because I just didn't care. I didn't, I just, <laughs> there was no passion. Care. I did. I lost, I gave up everything. It's like, it wasn't worth fighting with him. It really wasn't. It was just like, okay, you know, okay. Yeah, whatever you say. It's because he's always right. So yeah. <laughs> Ask him, he'll tell you. Um, <laughs> Still fresh. <laughs> yeah, it's it's true. It's true. Yeah. And it, it, I just became so beaten down emotionally that it, I just gave up. I stopped. I it's like, okay. Stop. Right. And that's the like the abandoning of yourself. Because then mm-hmm. it's no longer being there for yourself, which when you, when we now look at like the actual definition and the word, you know, I think ultimately, I think the most empowering thing is, is, you know, not abandoning ourselves and, and through not abandoning our, ourselves and really loving ourselves, um, I think it, you know, we're going to show up, we're going to show up in relationships in the healthiest ways. And I think it, you know, to kind of give it that more simple, just like, you know, not abandoning ourselves, be there for you, you know, because at the end of the day, the only person, you know, and I, and, and not in like a malicious or like a, you know, woe is me kind of way, but like, 
the, the, the person that's going to look after Laura the most is Laura. You know, the best person oh, yeah. that is going to take care of me the most is me, or that's going to love me the most, it should be me. And if I do that, and if I stay true to myself in that space, we just did the authentic episode the other day, um, you know, just showing up authentically and taking care of ourselves in that space and loving ourselves and, and not abandoning ourselves. I, I like to think that that will help us show up more balanced and healthy in relationships and, and alleviate some of the, you know, the, the negative narrative that, that um, abandonment can supply with us if we choose to carry that, you know, through our life. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's an ongoing thing. And um, I'm, I feel so fortunate that I have people in my life, you know, to be able to have this conversation. I mean, the fact that you have so much awareness around this, I mean, and really the awareness, I've said this in a previous episode of just like, they say in the meetings of like, um, the first step is admitting you have a problem (laughs) and we all got problems. There's no, there's no shortage of that over here, but we're, we're, as Julia says, we're human. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, yeah, I'm just, I'm super thankful just to be surrounded by people that I can, have a level of empathy and compassion and awareness around these things and um, just to support each other and to know that we're all here for one another. Um, yeah. I don't know. I'm just so thankful that you guys embraced this word because at I'm first- so I was so thankful like, for it. I'm so <laughs> like seriously, because you picking that word, I have to say, I was like, it's you, you're, it's, how can I say this? Like, like acknowledging you're, like you're running it towards it. Yeah. Like, it's just yeah. like I said, when me and you finally had the conversation, everything changed for me. And so it's like you running towards it. It's like embracing of it and loving towards it, not running away from it or, or trying to hide from it. And that means a lot to me for sure. It means a lot. And I think, I think it'll be, I think this conversation is powerful to anybody who struggles with abandonment. You know, I think it's, I'm thankful that you picked this word. I think it's really cool. It's it, well, it's something I um, I didn't share with a lot of people. You know, William didn't even know the story until this last summer. He didn't even know my story of my childhood. He had no idea. I'm not even sure if Molly knows. I mean, you and I have had the conversation. It's not something that you bring up in a casual yeah. conversation, right? <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, by the way, you know, yeah, you just don't. And so it takes it takes courage courage to talk about it and also trust yes yeah. to be able to trust to right. sh- to bear your soul and your you know the ways in which you've been broken in the past and you try to put yourself back together from yeah and um that's it's been, it's been tough and i've been more open to talking about it with people recently i my husband you know he he tells me all the time, he's like, Sherry, Sherry, you you think of those experiences as negative or they were so hard on you, but look at who you are. Like, look at what you've become in spite of those experiences. And, you know, you're, you're one of the strongest people I know. And when I tell people the story, they're like shocked. Like what, who, you know, you survived that and you have kids who still love you and, want to be there for you and you know you didn't 
you know, repeat it in the same way. You know, I did repeat it in in um, a different way, but I didn't repeat it in the same way. And that and that and just to be clear, when you did repeat it, it was a small fragment in time. It wasn't right. like it was you trying to find yourself after had have you had lost yourself for 13 years. So, I mean, I don't blame you for it. So I understand, I understand it now, but. And then I did, I did find myself. You sure did. (laughs) In all of my crazy glory. (laughs) I get it from my mama. (laughs) I love that. No, I think that that's so perfect. And it's, yeah, it's just confirming that like everything ultimately I like to believe happens for a reason and it always comes full circle and, you know, or it always, it just always works out. You know, I, I like to yeah. think that in whatever way that it works out, it always works out. And, um, and now, and you sharing your story, you get to, you know, just kind of carry that light for others, you know, and just, I, and I think that too is, in terms of, cause me and Julia could talk all the time, you know, <laughs> right. but I love when, you know, coming up with inside the light and having guest speakers, because I do think that, um, in life there's, you know, you think of like the manual, you know, and it's, it's really each other's stories. It's all of our own like testimonies that we can relate to or gain insight from, or, um, just learn, you know, from each other. And I think that even in you being in a space now where you can share it with others, you know, is empowering within itself. And it's, it's amazing. You know, it's, it's providing of love for other people, you know, and, um, and in that way, it's not really abandoning them, you know, it's actually the opposite. And so I love it. And I'm super appreciative of this conversation. Um, yeah, thanks mom. Yes. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. You can follow us on Instagram and TikTok at inside.thelight. Until next time. Lights lights out. out.